Well, welcome. It's good to see everybody. If you need to turn your chairs, feel free to turn your chairs around and make yourself at home. Did everybody get something to drink and some of the yummy snacks, the cookies that Connie made? There's some amazing homemade cookies over there. Woo, we've got a cheering section over here. <laughs> oh, well, I, who knows who has somebody that's a friend or a family or part of your group that's sick and not feeling well? Robin, are you okay? Oh, okay. He's right. Who do you? Who knows somebody that's not feeling well? No. The cold and that type of thing. Yeah, there's there's a lot of people. So we'll probably have a little bit smaller group tonight. Um, and uh, so if there's anybody in your group, then you can. And they want to. Greg is kind enough to record it, and it'll be on the it'll be on the website soon. If somebody wants to keep up and listen. So, um, although last. Not last week, but the week before, that recording didn't work, so it's not there, just so you know. Who's been to a weekend to remember by Family Life today? I hear they're great. It's been on my bucket list for almost 20 years. And this, tomorrow night, Denny and I are going to get to go. So anyhow, yeah, so we can learn and refresh and renew. It doesn't matter where you are in your marriage, it's good to get to get more info and to, to learn and to grow. Um, I was thinking, I know our D group that we have after, after worship is anywhere around 30 minutes, sometimes 40 minutes if, if I behave myself. Um, but you may consider um, having a D group that meets some other time than Thursday night. If you want more time to connect and to talk and to talk about the scriptures and that type of thing, you might consider starting a D group, uh, meeting another night, um, just to go a little deeper in relationship with one another and the Lord and more time for prayer and um, doing your PB&J and talking about that as a, as a discipleship group. Um, if that's in anybody's heart, um, I encourage you to do it and talk to uh, Roy and Betty Garcia. They're heading up the discipleship, the D groups for the road now and if you don't know Betty and Roy, they're amazing. They're, and if you know them, then you know they are. <laughs> so just the thought I had the other day. Um, and we are privileged to have Brittany with us as a guest worship leader. And Christy is going to assist her. And so, Brittany, thank you so much for coming. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all are going to be blessed. Um, Allie was supposed to be here tonight, but she's home not feeling well, and Anna is not feeling well, and I think Steve isn't, I mean, there's just so many people that aren't feeling well, so um, why don't we take a few minutes and and just pray for them real quick. Hey, welcome, ladies. Come on in. Yeah. Yay. (laughs) Mary feels better now. (laughs) Um, Lord, we just want to take a minute and pray for... All of these people that we love so much, our Allie, our Pastor Steve, um, for Anna and so many others that I hear are, are not feeling well. Lord, we just pray for healing and wholeness in their bodies. We cover them with the blood of Jesus, and we just pray for a quick recovery, that even in the morning, that tonight and tomorrow, that they would sense your hand upon them, your healing power, and that they would just receive it. We speak it into them. But First Peter two twenty four. By your stripes, we were healed. They were healed, and we just call upon that covenant, that healing power, and we thank you for being with them in it. In Jesus' name. Okay, so what's this Sunday? Last Sunday was the Super Bowl. Woo, go Broncos! <laughs> the underdogs, yeah. And this Sunday is Valentine's Day. So um, I love the. Um, Zephaniah 3.17. And on the website, um, oh, we couldn't print it out, but on the website, there's something, there's a, like a, a devotional that's on there that Su- Suzanne sent me. Where's Suzanne? There you are. That Suzanne sent me that's just really precious. And one of the scriptures that they use is Zephaniah 3.17. Such a, it's, it's just a wonderful reminder of God's love for us. And if you think about it, in return, our love for him. And it says, the Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who saves. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will quiet. He will will be quiet in his love. 
making no mention of your past sins. This is from the Amplified, but I love that. God does not look at us according to our past sins, ladies. This is where Jesus has taken care of that. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. So receive that. Receive his love for you. And think about that. And as we receive his love, then we will be able to pour it out on those that we love. Um, There was just a little prayer that went with it that I wanted to pray to go along with that. It says, Father God, fill each lady here with an overwhelming joy at the thought of how much you love her. If If she ever feels unloved or unwanted... Fill her spiritual ears with your beautiful love song and soothe her heart with your comforting words in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for doing that for each lady here. Well, we have a real treat tonight. Um, Phyllis Stanley will be coming and sharing her testimony nugget if you want to come on up, Phyllis. And, um, you know, she's a lady of the word. Uh, I know we all love the word but the way Phyllis has allowed the word to shape her life and to, um, to work in her beauty and grace and love and the way you pour it out, the way you touch others' lives, um, you've invested in many. And I thank you for investing in me and believing in me when I didn't believe in myself. Thank you. <laughs> I love you too. I'll stand right back here. It's so hard to take five minutes, but I'm going to try real hard, and Jan's going to help to remind me. Um, About 25 years ago, a little more than that, my husband and I were in a cozy alpine pension in Austria, and we had just visited some missionaries there because we had lived, we had been over there with the navigators, and um, my husband started ministry behind the Iron Curtain. But we were sitting there, and some missionaries had given me some tapes. Remember, do you remember tapes? <laughs> and I had a little tape recorder, and I had heard that there was this Bible study that the pastor's wife was doing in their church. And so I, I was like this. It was a terrible recording, and I'm listening like this, and all of a sudden tears are coming down my cheek. And my husband's looking at me like, what's the matter with you, honey? And I said, you know what? God and the Holy Spirit taught me many years ago that I wanted to live my life intentionally and I wanted to live it purposefully. But I'm hearing from this woman a deeper understanding of who I am as a woman of God and as a child of God. And my heart was just beating. And I thought, this is a gift, Lord, that you're giving me. And as I began to think about mistress of the domain, I realized this is such a wonderful way of explaining that God had a purpose in designing us as women and being created equally with men, we still had this special design on us to rule and subdue and make fruitful our world for God. And it was just an exciting time for me just to be learning that we don't need the five aspects. We have the Holy Spirit, and he teaches us. But sometimes God brings into our life somebody with a gift that can can give a, a, a even more of a biblical depth. And as I thought about helper, completer, I thought, you know, just about every woman I know wants to help somebody. But sometimes they help everybody else except their husband, and they were created to be a helper to their husband. But what God began to show me was that the privilege that God is our helper. And last year when I was reading through Psalms, I read that the Most High God will fulfill his purpose for us 
And he will send help from heaven to rescue us. And what a privilege that God is our helper. And then I began to think about, I don't think I ever would have known how to discipline my children if a friend of mine hadn't pierced my heart by telling me how undisciplined my little ones were. But she says, I'll help you. We can look at some Bible verses together, and we can see some principles. I think how different my family would have been without somebody coming to help me. And then I remember somebody asking me if I would lead an evangelistic Bible study. I said, I don't think I could even lead one with one person, and you want me to have 10 people. She says, I'll help you. Every week I'll help you. And I think about, I've got a wonderful neighbor over here, and her husband, my husband was out of town when the snow came. Her husband's over there helping me, and he helps us with our computer. What would we do without being a helper? And I thought about with my own husband. I want him to know that it's a privilege for me to help him. And so helper completer was... Um, just a, a gift to me. And I had always loved evangelism and discipleship. And as my children all began to leave, I realized I, I didn't have that many non-Christian non friends anymore because it used to be all the parents of my children's friends. And I said, Lord, should I be a docent at the museum? Um... I could start a business. I can work on my master's degree. And I still just brought Christians into my life. And so the Lord, one day, I, I literally was lifting my hands to heaven, saying, God, you know I love to lead women to Christ. And he spoke to me and boomed into my ear. You're an older woman now, and you have a job description in my word. And from now on, I want you to do good, especially under those of the household of faith. And as soon as I gave him my life and surrendered to do that the rest of my life, he brought the five aspects into my life. So I've never really asked people to join a group year after year after year after year. I thought I'd do it one year. But, you know, it's a way of discipleship. And between the aspects and discipleship, it's wonderful when you have something to do the rest of your life. And so I'm so glad that my precious friend, in fact, I just was thinking, when I, I just have to say one more thing. I was thinking about helpers in my life. You know, I met Christine... It was at a friend's house, and it was, it was snowy and icy out. Guess what she said? I just want to take you out to your car so you'll be safe. I thought, you know what? She's been helping me ever since, <laughs> just like she's helping you. It's part of who she is. So I, the last thing is I thought because God has provided a way of passing on his truth, I can say with Jacob, God, who has been my helper my whole life long until this very day. So God bless you. You know, Phyllis, I think um, you were talking about possibly starting a business or getting your master's degree. I think you really did get your master's degree. Really, the master allowed you to be to learn and grow as you pour it into other ladies. And isn't that the way it is when we teach others? I mean, like I said, I've been through it 19 times. I'm a slow learner. God knew I needed it. But I, I have grown. I'm growing every Thursday night sharing with y'all. And I pray that there's people in your life that you are receiving from and that you are 
giving into. And I think this is really the master's degree for all of us. Whatever stage of life we're in, I pray that you would receive the master's degree for you. And as we look through the scriptures, whether you're single, whether you're young or old or married, for ladies, there's, there is a job description. There is, there is a master's degree for us. And it looks very different for each one of us. But there is the, the biblical principle for the reason that he has created you to be a woman, to be a godly woman. And it is if the world, and um, I, I often say this to young women um, that have children, I'll just we'll bump into each other in the grocery right. store and I'll say, uh, geez, thank you so much for what you're doing and raising these children. And they, of course, once they... I kind of, who are you? And thank you. And what you're doing is a really important job. And sometimes at that point, tears are pouring. But I'll say, can the world go on without doctors and nurses and lawyers? And there's a pause, and they think about it. And yeah, might not be pretty, but it could go on. What if you and all the women in the world choose not to have children? Can the world go on? Which is more important? And usually by that time, there's tears. And many times they say, thank you. I really needed that. We need to encourage one another. Uh, Della and I were just talking before. We were back there. We know the truth so often. But we need to encourage each other with it because there's some days, even though we know the truth, we need to hear it. We need to hear it from one another. So here we are, created to complete. In the aspects, it's helper completer. Um, and so I, I didn't want to totally rip everything off from the five aspects, so I just change it a little bit, you know. <laughs> and Barbara was okay with that. Um, but it's, it's biblical. It's the biblical truth of who God's created us to be. Um, from the book, Men Are From Mars and Men Are From Venus, it says, oh, wait, wait, Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus, it says, Men are motivated by being needed, and women are motivated by being cherished. We need to be cherished. This is a statement that resonates within our soul. Genesis 2, 18 to 24 says, this is from the Amplified because I thought it really captured it. And I, they say that the Amplified is the women's version of the Bible. Um, my husband it says, it's too many words. <laughs> but it really depicts it here. It says, now the Lord God said, it is not good, beneficial for the man to be alone. Who's walked into a bachelor's pad? I will make him a helper who balances him, a counterpart who is suitable and complementary for him. So the Lord God formed out of the ground every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. Verse 20, And the man gave names to all the livestock, and to the birds of the air, and to every animal of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper that was suitable. Dogs are good helpers. They're not suitable. A companion for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And while he slept, I'm sorry, I just have to tell you this. I stopped at the store on the way here before I got here. And across, right, parked right in front of me was this minivan. And I see this man behind the driver's seat. And he's like this. He's like asleep. And then I notice the motion in the back seat. And his wife is back there, probably changing the diaper to their toddler or something. I don't know. But I just thought, men can just usually sleep pretty easy, can't they? Regardless of what's going on. A deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and while he slept, <laughs> and while he slept in the back seat, his what? No, he took one 
of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made. And the Amplified says he fashioned and formed into a woman. And he brought her and presented her to the man. Then Adam said, This is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. There's a lot in that body of scripture. There's a lot going on there. And we'll unpack some of it. And the aspects, Barbara unpacks more of it in a beautiful way. We'll just touch on a few points. We are created to complete God's good design for our lives. You are created to complete God's design in your life. Now, can we do it in our own strength? No. Well, it's not going to look pretty. And probably the husband and kids aren't going to be very happy. Because <laughs> I know when I was doing it in my own strength, <laughs> to say we had somebody come over to visit, they didn't want us to have anybody come over and visit because I would go so nuts. Do this, do that, you know. But when we can settle our hearts and complete in a way that honors the Lord, then it brings life to our whole domain. Um, if we will cooperate with the Lord and let him teach us, we will grow and find fulfillment. It may not be the way we once thought it was going to be, but flowing with the Lord, we will find it even better. So that which you think, if we will flow with the Lord, we may find ourselves going a little different way and things happening a little differently than what we thought it was going to happen. But if we will flow with the Lord, the end result, ladies, is going to be far greater than we could even imagine. I think we need to have a conversation about the bigger picture of what these verses are talking about. This is more than just a, a, a man and a woman becoming one flesh to fulfill some work in a garden. I mean... To look at it, we hear that, but it's much bigger than that. It's much, much bigger than that. Who remembers from the last time that we met what the difference was in Adam and Eve before the fall and after? Do you remember what we talked about? Sexuality, shame, all that came on. But the difference from before the fall to after the fall was simply the way they saw. Their eyes were opened, remember? And that which was not shameful became shameful. And they noticed different things about themselves. Hebrews 11.3 in the NIV says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So everything, is, everything seen is created out of that which is unseen, right? So which is really more real? The unseen realm is really actually more real than what we can see and taste and touch. God takes us by the hand and he walks us from the unseen realm, from the seen realm into the unseen realm. If we have faith to hold his hand and walk with him. He starts with our physical domain and uses it as a doorway to the more real world of the spirit realm. The earth and the fullness thereof is filled with so many metaphors to help us understand God's bigger picture. That are actually, these, these are actually rooted in the spirit realm. A seed a seed has to die, right? But what makes it grow? This is the spirit realm. We have to die to ourselves. But what makes us grow? Out of the spirit realm. That's what makes the difference. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. The shepherd of the flock. The great high priest. But if you don't know something about masonry. And you don't know something 
about being a shepherd or the flocks, or if you don't know about what, what is the role of a high priest. But when you do know a little bit about masonry and herding the flocks and being a shepherd, and you know about these, these are greater principles that open up the truth of God's word about who he is as a shepherd, as the chief cornerstone to hold our life together. The cornerstone holds all the others together. So all of these are gateways into the beauty and the power and the complexity of our God. God is the one who started making boundaries. Have you ever thought about that, boundaries? I mean, let's look at this. Isn't this beautiful? What, what would it be if it didn't have boundaries? I mean, how could a painter paint if there were no boundaries? I mean, you can paint, but you, you have to have definition. What would music be like if there were no the boundary of notes and pauses? I've heard a, a musician say, and y'all may know this, but it's not so much the notes that make the music, but the pauses. Because it would just be continuous without the pauses. Because if you think even the, the quarter notes, the half notes, the whole notes, these, the, this, is, this has to do with the pauses. This is boundaries. God created boundaries. Isn't this beautiful? Created in his image. Redeemed. We pick our crowns up out of the ashes. Blessed. I counted six hearts. Some of them look like butterflies. They look like, if you look at this, they look like a butterfly flying up into the air. It's just so beautiful, the colors. Jan, you're doing such a beautiful job. You and the Holy Spirit. Let's give her a hand. <laughs> it is just I, just, I love what God's doing with your art, with your gift. But it takes a certain amount of faith, doesn't it? Are we willing to... The gifts that God has given each one of you, you're all creative. Because whose image are we created in? He's the great, he's the master painter. He's the great creator. We're creating his image and you have creativity in you, but it takes faith to be able to express it. It doesn't mean that you can paint like Jan can or that you can sing like Brittany can or that you can play a cool drum set like, like Christy can. But it might be in how you cook or how you serve or how you bless those around you or, or how you interact with children. I mean, creativity, ladies, goes in every realm of life. What you do in your yard, in your home, with fabrics, with clothes, this is all creativity. So he's the one who started making boundaries. Um, God made the boundary of making Adam first. And Eve out of Adam. This, was, this wasn't an accident. It's not like God said, oh, geez, how did that happen? It was a plan. This has to do with boundaries. And being one who fills the role of helping and completing what often men start, we need to understand that these are only roles, ladies. These are roles that we take on. They have nothing to do with worth or value. Our worth and value is the same. Men and women. Oh, I forgot to silence my phone. <laughs> I'd better do it because somebody might call. <laughs> oh, excuse me. It's usually the first thing I do when I come in. Okay. Um, so Jesus submitted himself. Think about this in roles. Jesus submitted himself to God. And also to earthly rulers. Who are some of the rulers that he submitted himself to? Pilate being one. What's another one? Did he submit himself to Caesar? I'm sorry, y'all are in listening mode, not thinking mode, right? <laughs> Caught you off guard. Yeah, I mean, there's Herod, there's Pilate, there's Caesar. These are, I mean, first he submitted himself to God. You know, it's not that... It's easy to submit ourselves to God because we know everything he does is for our good, right? But these earthly rulers, 
husbands, fathers, sometimes that's, that's the real challenge and the greatest test of our faith. This is why men tend to be more, let's see, man was made from earth and with a focus on the earth. So he was made out of the earth. Woman wasn't made out of the earth necessarily. This is why men tend to be more nature-focused and women tend to be more people-focused. Eve was made from Adam and for him. So women tend to have a special interest not only in her domain that they're in, but also very perceptive and interested in her counterpart because we were made from him. Adam was made from the earth. Woman was made from Adam. Women really are more people-focused. Some men are very intuitive and they notice things. They notice different things about people. Um, one of the illustrations that Barbara uses I think is so good. She said that a husband and wife can be standing there and the husband says, the mailman is late today. He, he, he delivered it late today. And she says, well, he looked, he looked really upset to me. You know, man's not going to, he's late. But he was, he was upset. You know, most men aren't going to notice he was upset. Most women will. Ladies, as Eve, we are made through a two-step process, if you think about it. We're a little more refined. Kind of the difference between a clay pot. How many of you have clay pots with flowers in them outside? And the pots that are inside are usually the more refined pots or vases that we put our plants in inside. It's like, a, it's like the difference between a crude clay mug and a delicate china set. You're, you're made, you're a little more refined. Your features are more refined. Your figure is more refined. Our emotions, we're just a little more refined. That's the way God created us. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Men tend to be more risk takers and women desire more security. Do you know that's one of the number one needs for men? It's usually in the sexual area is one of their number one needs for women. Security. Knowing that she's cherished and security. It's the difference in that we talked about how Adam was made outside the garden and brought to it. But Eve was created in the garden in a bounded place, in a place of security. Y'all know the way my brain kind of thinks sometimes. And when I, when I see helper, I see help her. God helps her to help him. That's the only way we can really be the helper that God's created us to be, is allowing him to help us. So if you want to be a helper... Help her, allow God to help you, and then you can help him, whether it's a father, a brother, a husband, a boss. Complete her. Do you hear it? Complete her. God completes her so she can help complete him in the mandate that God's given him. For us to help and complete our husbands or men, we must first see God's design and align. Completer, he comes to complete her. Then she can be the helper and completer to her husband and the mandate God gave her husband or authority. Um, you know, I think we've lost the focus of the mandate. This was one of the first things he gave them was a mandate to work and keep. This was before the fall, right? Before the fall, work is not part of the curse we talked about. Work is a blessing. Fruitful work is a blessing. It's when it all falls apart. Well, that's when the curse hits, you know. We are trying to complete our husband and body when if we go back to the original design, the order of God's design, God made woman to help Adam complete the work of ruling over the earth and all that's in it. So let's just kind of think that through a little bit today. We have the idea that being one is solely in body. 
that this is being one, once you, you, once you get married and you consummate it, now you become one. And the sexual connection is how we complete our husbands. A very important part of the completion of our husbands. That is an important part. God created it to be a beautiful, important part. But that's not the order God designed. There's something very bonding about working together toward a common goal. So many couples lose intimacy by going in different directions with their work. How many of you have seen it? Not just in the secular realm, but in the church. The pastor goes this way and the wife has another pursuit. This, the husband has this job in this direction and the wife has this pursuit. And their pursuits are in different directions. But in the garden, God didn't call Adam and Eve. He didn't call Adam to this part of the garden and Eve to this part of the garden. He called them to the similar area. Now, the man goes out, but they're working together on the same uh, on, the, on the same area, doing different jobs, different roles, but they're working together. If you have different jobs, ladies, consider aligning. Consider the di- aligning the direction of your focus to be with your husbands. Um, what, has, what job has the Lord given your husband? What is, what's in his heart? How can you come alongside and align with that? It doesn't mean you have to go to work with him. It doesn't mean that he has to stay home and you have to stay in the house together. I'm saying purpose and direction. How can you align with that? Um, For Denny and I, before we got married, we decided he would work to provide and I would be home with the children. We're both working together for a common goal of raising the children during that stage of our life. Well, my mom used to say, once a mom, always a mom. I get it now. (laughs) You know, uh, the roles change in being a mom. Where our hands are off at this stage, once they're raised and married and involved with our grandkids. And I used to wonder, Phyllis, I thought, well, Phyllis is an empty nester and her kids are gone. She has all kinds of time. And then she was busy helping this child with kids and this daughter and this son and, and hikes with kids and camping trips with kids. And, and it's like, how does she have time for us and anybody else? You know, and I'm glad I saw that. Thank you for letting me in on that part of your life because now I'm there. And um, we need to invest in our children uh, in ways. It's their life. And as you know, Carol, you do this too. There's so much given in too. And our children need that. They don't need us to dictate. They don't need us to tell them what to do. But I look at some of the things that my kids, some of my kids are walking through even now that I have the freedom to be there, to babysit, to have the kids, to give them a little reprieve, to give them the opportunity to go. Anyhow, that's not in the notes. But which... which um, we both work towards the common goal of raising kids just in a different role and just in different roles, which is more important. The one who goes out to get or the one who stays home to keep. Well, in your D groups, that's part of what you'll be looking at is in First Samuel thirty. And you'll read that body of scripture and you'll hear God's idea of which is more important. Even with me being a part of Shine. This is an extension of Denny's heart. Um, it's his heart to convey God's design to women. He he has he's always has as a little boy that was he wanted to be a he wanted to be a husband and a dad. Um, when he was in high school, he would he would encourage girls that came out of broken situations. He has such a heart for women to be built up. He has such a heart for men to get God's design. And what I'm doing here is an extension. Uh, we talk about these things. As a matter of fact, last night, I wanted to run part, this next part by Denny before I shared it with y'all tonight. And the only time that I was going to see him that I thought, he got home a little bit early today, but was last night. Well, he had gone out, and he and some of the shepherds had gone and pray over 
some, some property and uh, somebody's home and another person's office. And he got home and he was just, he gets up at 5.15 and by uh, 10 o'clock, he's toast. <laughs> and so I said, well, honey, can I just run this by you real quick? And so I read it to him and it wasn't quite the response that I was expecting. It was kind of the deer in the headlight look. He had a smile on his face, but it was like, oh, that's good, honey. <laughs> I thought, okay. But this morning, he sent me a text. And let me read you the text after he slept. Our men need their sleep. Do you know that, you know, they talk about a men's cave? They need to go into their cave. They need to have time alone. Um, a man cave. That when a man sits and rests, it actually helps their testosterone come back up. They get depleted out in the workaday world. Whatever that is, they get depleted. And so there is something to a man being able to have some cave time. Whatever that is, whether it's his drive home or when he gets home, giving him just a little bit of space. It depends on your man. It may be three minutes. It may be 30 minutes. It just depends on him. But we need to be aware of that, that they need some cave time. Uh, the text said, good morning. Sorry I was so out of it last night. You were feeling very vulnerable, and I didn't offer much back. Think women need encouraged by what you shared. Keep it in. Love you. Well, I just sat there and cried. It blessed me. And uh, I want to read to you what I... What I'd written yesterday, it was on my heart to write. And it is a bit vulnerable and open, but I don't believe that we talk about some of this as much as what maybe we should. It's sacred and it's holy. And it's honorable. First, man is given a job from God. And he works at it until he realizes he doesn't have a counterpart to complete the job given him. He can cultivate and rule the earth, but he can't be fruitful and reproduce his own image bearers. Feeling inadequate to complete the job given him by God, he is ready to trust God and sacrificially laying his life down to gain a helper suitable for him. Until a man gets to this point, he's not ready to marry. He has to come to a place of realizing his need. That's what God did with Adam. He allowed him to come to a place of realization. Our men need to come to a place of realization so he can humble himself and be willing to sacrifice his body for another. Otherwise, his wife may spend a lifetime trying to get his attention. Now, don't get me wrong. Most men like a little flirt. I remember hearing James Dobson talk about this one time, and I thought, I can't believe those words are coming out of James Dobson's mouth. (laughs) Um, so married ladies, turn on the flirt meter for your husbands. Give them something to chase. Just watch a football game. They chase that ball from one end of the field to the other. I don't understand it, but men love the chase. It's not a game of playing hard to get, though. We're not playing games. This isn't a game of hard to get. It's more rather creating a desire to pursue. What can you do? to create that desire for your husband to pursue. Again, let's think about the bigger picture of Christ in the church. Last time we talked about picking our crowns up out of the ash heap and wearing it as redeemed ladies Jesus died to make us. Part of being redeemed and ruling in the area of our marriage is to cultivate that inner beauty Peter speaks of. And honestly... The older I get, the more I appreciate the inner beauty part because that doesn't fade. (laughs) It doesn't sag. It doesn't, (laughs) you know. Um, God graciously gave us the ability to minister beauty to our men with an inner disposition that meets an inner need he has that's even more necessary than the physical sexual desire. We think men are so sexually crazy about things. There's something deeper to that, ladies. 
years ago, and I can we lived in Ohio at the time, and when I saw this, I called Barbara to run it by her to see if I was okay, if this was, is this heresy, is this okay? How men have a thought. Uh, they say, depending on the stage of life, every minute, three minutes, they have a sexual thought. And I used to think they're just sex crazed. But then God put in my heart, he said, men are the glory of God. And the same way men demonstrate their desire to be one in a redeemed way with their wives is the same way I think about you. I think about you all the time. It's a beautiful picture of how God thinks about you all the time. Actually, there is a deeper sexual hunger a man has for oneness of soul. We don't tend to think of men that way, but they find oneness through sexual intimacy. Where we as women tend to find oneness through talking, feeling, being cherished, then we express it through physical intimacy. Do you see the difference? Men are wanting oneness through the sexual intimacy. Women are wanting the emotional feeling cherished, and then they express it. And I'm not saying this is, this is a general rule for men and women. I'm not saying it's exactly this for every man and woman. Let's read 1 Peter 3, 1 to 5 in the Amplified. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands. Subordinate, not as inferior, but out of respect for the responsibilities entrusted to husbands and their accountability to God. And so partnering with them. Doesn't this get, isn't that beautiful? So that even if some do not obey the word of God, they may be won over to Christ without discussion, without discussion by the godly lives of their wives. When they see your modest and respectful behavior, together with your devotion and appreciation, love your husband, encourage him, and enjoy him as a blessing from God. We could stop right there. That's beautiful, ladies. Your adornment must not merely be external with interweaving and elaborate knotting of the hair and wearing gold jewelry or being superficially preoccupied with dressing in, in expensive clothes, but let it be the inner beauty of the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality and unfading charm of a gentle and peaceful spirit. Peaceful spirit. One that is calm and self-controlled, not over-anxious, but serene and spiritually mature. This is part of what being spiritually mature is, which is very precious in the sight of God. And there's few things that God calls very precious. And the blood of Jesus is one of them. How important is this to God? How important should it be to us? Stephanie, are you okay? Do you want us to pray? What's... Okay, Lord, we just come to you right now. We pray for Stephanie. We cover her with the blood of Jesus. We speak to this left side. Peace be still. Healing and wholeness. 1 Peter 2, 24. By your stripes, Stephanie is healed. Heal and hold peace in Jesus' name. Amen. What can we do to help you? Maybe I'll try walking. Uh, have you had this before? Yeah. Greg, would you mind helping her to the couch for us, please? I think it's, oh, yeah, that's why I had my neck surgery. I don't understand. Okay, Greg's here to help you. Right here. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you for your peace for your healing. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Okay, Carol, thank you for being with her. Carol is a nurse, and so very thankful that she's with us. Uh, Carol, if there's anything we can do, you let us know. I'm going to carry on, and if there's anything we can do, you let us know. We need to call. Okay. Um, Where were we? For in this way of of, in former times, the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves being submissive to their own husbands and adapting themselves to them. We're to be adaptable. Women are more flexible and adaptable than men, physically, spiritually, emotionally, in so many ways. Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, following him and having regard for him, as head of their house, calling him Lord, and that's a small L. She's not taking the place of Christ, calling him her God, but she's honoring him as the head of the house. And you have become her daughters if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear, that is, being respectful toward your husband, but not giving in to intimidation, nor allowing yourself to be led into sin, nor being harmed. So there's boundaries. It doesn't mean you, we obey and honor our authorities, whether it's a husband or whatever authority it is. We obey and honor as unto the Lord. And if they would ask you to do something that the Lord would not ask you to do, that Jesus himself would not ask you to do, then that's where we draw the line. Okay? Single ladies, remember, whether single or married, we are all the bride of Christ. We're his counterpart. Single, married, divorced. We're the Lord's counterpart. And that's where we need to see ourselves first and foremost. Understanding the roles of Christ in the church gives us a bigger, gives us a picture to plug our lives into. It helps us to understand why marriage is so important. And we need to honor that. Marriage is one of the greatest evangelical tools we have in this earth. It's the only thing that God has called has said is a picture of Christ in the church have you ever thought about that why do you think the enemy wants to destroy marriages it's the only picture we have in the earth of Christ in the church and if he can destroy marriage then it's destroying the picture of Christ in the church in this earth so ladies even if you are not feeling that attracted to your husband remember Your marriage is a picture of Christ in the church. That is is much bigger than you and me. This is a a big picture to step into. And what's it said that a, a picture is worth a thousand words? When you see the role of Christ and you understand that and you see the role of the church and you understand that, then you can plug your life into that and begin emulating and seeing men can understand their role. And it's the only thing God used to illustrate. Um, Ephesians 5.23, For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. In verse 32, it says, As the scripture says, say, A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery. So even though we understand we're husband and wife and we understand marriage, it's still a mystery. I Is there still mystery left in your marriage, Phyllis? (laughs) There's a lot of mystery in my marriage. We're still figuring things out. As much as as I've studied it and we've talked about it and we've read about it, there's still mystery. We're not going to get it 100% figured out on this side of heaven. This is just part, part of the mystery. It's part of trusting God. It's part of having faith. It takes faith to get married. To get married, it takes faith to have children. This is about a faith walk, ladies. It's not about comfort and ease. There is much joy and there is much comfort. Married ladies, speaking words of honor and acting in respectful ways, as we've read in 1 Peter 3, is something more sexy to our husband than a new lingerie thriller. Now, for some men, you pair the two together with words of honor and respect and a new 
lingerie thriller, that just might be to the moon and back for him. I don't know. Also, married ladies, we've talked about the crown. This Valentine's Day, maybe wear the crown. Maybe that's all. (laughs) That's the part I read to Denny, and I wanted his feedback on it, you know? (laughs) And that's when he gave me the blank stare. (laughs) It came with a smile. (laughs) But he had no feedback other than, that's good. And so he sent me the text this morning. And yes, it was vulnerable, but it was, it was, that, that made my morning. Um, <laughs> you know, I actually stopped at the dollar store. That's where I saw the man on the other side. I stopped at the dollar store. I was going to pick up a little, little toy crown, a little tiara or something. And they didn't have any. I thought, oh, I don't have time. But anyhow, <laughs> Walmart, I didn't have time to stop in there. But anyhow, I just, I, I just feel like that this, these are things we need to talk about and open the door of conversation for. Is it awkward? Is it uncomfortable? Yes, but is it beautiful? Yes. Is it God's design? Yes. Do we need more conversations about this in a godly, holy way? Yes. Sex is a beautiful design of God. He's the one that thought of it, ladies. It's the enemy that wants to tarnish it and make it feel dirty. It is sacred. It is holy. It is private. But we can still have conversations about it in a holy, fun-loving way that brings glory and honor to God, that honors our husbands. You know, when you're hungry, you go looking. If you look at the bigger picture of Christ in the church, we're the only bride Christ has. May we be his counterpart. May we be a place that he enjoys being. Um, Genesis 2.24 in the Amplified. It's okay? Okay. For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. This verse 24 sometimes has been misunderstood by some. To mean they leave their parents altogether. I've heard of that. I've heard that, well, we're married now. We can't have any fellowship with our moms and our dads. If that was the case, then God would be saying, I don't want you to have any fellowship with me. And I don't want you to have anything to do with the earth. Now, I'm not getting new agey, but Adam was basically birthed out of the earth. The earth was the substance that God created him from. And it's what nourished him. It's what we eat from. It's where we get our food. So I'm not saying that we worship Mother Earth, but in a sense, that's kind of where the phrase came from. Adam was born out of the earth. We worship God, but this is the tools that God used. Um, Marriage is, is... God is instituting marriage and its fruit, the family unit, as the most important institution on earth. Marriage and the family are the two most important institutions on the earth. Marriage is a forepicture of Christ in the church. Husbands demonstrating Christ's sacrificial, servant, loving leadership through laying his life down for his wife. And the church's sacrificial servant submission to her husband. You see, we both play the Jesus role, right? Jesus submitted to the Father. He understood what it was to submit to fallen men, to Caesar, to Pilate. He understood what submission was. He knows what you're going through in your role of submission. He knows what men are going through in their role of submission and leading. They're submitting to the Father to lead well. First, God created man and gives him the mandate. Then, in Genesis 1.28, what time is it? I need to wind up here. Um, in Genesis 1.28, 
my notes will be online, and y'all can go through. I'll be skipping. I'm skipping some of this here. I want to end with this. Um, I still remember how stunned I was the first time I heard Barbara Mauser explain why so many bosses are attracted to their secretaries. Bless you, Stephanie. No, you're, I'm glad you're walking. Thank you, ladies, for being with her. Um, and this, go, this is not to make us paranoid, but gives credence to the beautiful design for man and woman working together that goes back to the Garden of Eden. So let's look at God's design here. I think it's really interesting. Barbara says, This fellowship of soul leads to oneness of the body. God intended for man and woman to have physical union based on their mental, spiritual, and emotional intimacy. The two should become one flesh. They should be married, and they should be sexually one. To illustrate this point, consider why so many bosses commit adultery with their secretaries. The first answer is because they are sinners. Just flat out. The secretaries and bosses are sinning and doing what is wrong. In one sense, that is the end of the matter. But the reason this pattern repeats so often is because of the created foundation of sexuality. Men are oriented to be sexually united with the woman, with the women that help them. They are also oriented to become more personally intimate with the woman, the women who are their Partners in work. Remember going back to God created Adam and Eve to work together. If you work together well, you build trust. This builds intimacy. This builds sexual attraction. Many people over time become sexually attracted to people they were never attracted to originally. Because this progression takes place. When there is partnership in work, trust and intimacy of soul is built often followed by a powerful attraction for physical union. If you are married, isn't that, do you see this, do you see how that, does that explain, has anybody heard that before? I, I thought, wow, that explains so much. If you are married, be interested in and committed to helping your husband in his work. Y'all like, come on in. Know that a great deal of your soulish intimacy will come from his sensing that you want to be his helper. Your sexual attraction will be increased only as you set up this pattern. If a man is going to employ a woman other than his wife to help him, he should be very careful about picking this woman. Great care should be taken to keep all professional fences in place so that partnership in work does not lead to sexual attraction in the wrong relationship. That's from Five Aspects of Woman, the 2002 edition. Oh, I put 2020 on here. <laughs> We're not even there yet. The 2002 edition. Um, to close, uh, listen to this quote from Five Aspects study. While man is leader and head, woman is the completion and crown. This is the last creation of God. She is the last creation of God. The one who brought the creator himself to rest and satisfaction. Her creation transformed the not good of man's loneliness into the very good culmination of the world. Isn't that beautiful? Ladies, you bring rest to your men, to your domain to your families like nothing else can. Not a TV, not a dog. You're created for that, to complete in such a way that brings a crowning glory to your husband and to your family, to whatever authority, whatever, wherever God allows you to be a part of. It's, a, it's an honor. So let's go ahead and have a time of worship. And then we'll go from there. Thank you again, Brittany and Christy. What a wonderful time of worship. Thank you, ladies, so much. That was beautiful, Brittany. Thank you. Thank you. Bring such a beautiful dimension. Mm.
Thank you. Um, you know, I was thinking just this, you know, about the, the whole crown of wearing the crown and maybe nothing else. <laughs> I was thinking for singles, you know, f- single or married, divorced, first of all, that's what we need to do for, for Jesus. We need to take that crown that he died to give us. And he desires that vulnerability and that transparency. Laying down the things that we would tend to want to cloak ourselves and hide behind. To give our hearts that transparency to him first and foremost. Then we can walk our singleness out. Then we can walk our marriage out. Then we can walk the stage if you're divorced. My mom and dad were divorced. It was heart-wrenching. I hate divorce. Anybody that's been through it hates it. But it's not a sin that's so great that God can't redeem and be with us and walk with us. So this Valentine's Day and this season, let's allow our hearts to be vulnerable and open. And this is a song. It's called The Wedding Song by Matthew Mole. And um, I heard it on, it just came up on my Pandora station. And it it really caught my ear and I thought this really kind of depicts what marriage is and I want you to think about whether you're single or married or divorced I want you to think about the bigger picture of marriage as you listen to this song it's a beautiful song and it's called the wedding song so listen to this and go ahead on the backs of your paper journal what the Lord has been speaking something from this talk tonight that has the Holy Spirit has spoken to you and what he's saying to you about it whether it's from the talk or the song, what's the Holy Spirit stirring in your heart? And just jot some of those things down. Then we'll go right into our D groups, and um, we'll end at 8.30. So uh, listen to this. <laughs> 